Hello, friends. This week's great mind is Kyle Lowell, a 17-year-old entrepreneur who's been growing and building products and businesses for the past five years. Let's pick it. Hello, my name is Will Massaro, willmassaro.com. This is the Great Minds Podcast. And today on the show, there is Kyle Lovell, a great friend of mine, a great mentor, inspiration. Kyle, it's so great to have you on. Mate, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Hi, everyone. No worries. Um, I guess we could really start at the very start. It's where, a good place to start. Where, where, tell us a bit about growing up, Kyle. What, what, what were you thinking? Now, we've mentioned before, like you, you have a bit of a consulting, you a bit of a not-for-profit advisor, you have all these great things and you're only 17. So where, what was your mind thinking at 11 when you started your first business? Or 12, sorry. Well, it was, it was around that time. It was between year five and year six um, that I started to, I think, probably put myself out there in the world a little bit more. But it was in between year six and year seven when I finally took some action on that. Um, it was in between, you know, primary school and high school, that sort of summer break. Um, I, I decided to start my first business and I, you know, I, I sort of just was exploring, um, you know, online platforms like Shopify, um, and Wix and, and just sort of starting to, to think about business. But really from that point onwards, um, I've always been someone that's had something on the go, um, be like yourself, Will, um, someone that is, um, is, is very project driven, um, and, and certainly sort of set up the foundations for my interest in business and entrepreneurship and, and technology. Um, so that's where it started and it certainly evolved from then, but it was just a real keen interest in exploring the world. Yeah. Epic. And I know a lot of people sort of start businesses to make money. Um, what were you thinking when you started that first business and which, what was it again? A shirt making business? Yeah, well, it was, it was, it was called, um, the tech thread co, um, a shit name. Anyway, um, I I was sort of searching one day for sort of shirts um, that I, I wanted to wear, like sort of, you know, tech theme sort of shirts. Real nerd. Um, but anyway, so I couldn't find them. So I was like, well, I may as well just give it a try and make it. So um, almost like problem orientated, problem solving orientated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. Sometimes, um, and maybe we can get into this, like I, I'm actually sometimes quite hesitant to jump into business ideas um, because the more I go along, the more critical I am of ideas. Um, and I, like, I think the idea that sort of, you know, ideas are cheap, I think is wrong because ideas are cheap, but good ideas are very hard. And if you can find a good idea, especially in this very saturated market, it's much easier to do the execution, um, in, in my opinion. So I think when I was sort of doing this sort of, uh, this project, it was definitely my own sort of personal needs. Maybe there was a lesson in there cause I didn't really do any validation if anyone else had the same problem, yep. <laughs> but anyway, it was a good, a good experiment. Um, and would you say that sort of built the foundations for like a not sort of an entrepreneurial mindset almost? hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I sold six t-shirts in six months. It was epic win. No, it was, it was a massive failure. <laughs> on whose terms? Um, well, exactly. Yeah. On a, on a, on a, on a business sort of level, I suppose it would, would be a failure, but in every other sense, um, I saw it a great success and I felt much richer after it. You say, you know, some people get into business for the money. I felt rich in the knowledge um, and, and opportunities from that point that I'd gained through it. Um, and that, that was really why I did it. Well, yeah. likewise, my first business obviously didn't make any money Planetpedia, but what it was, was sort of the foundations and that, that apprenticeship to entrepreneurship, which Absolutely. led to now what we have Youth Leadership Academy. Um, let's touch back, back onto the, so you've had that first business shirt yep. making, didn't go as you intended or how did you intend it to go? Well, I intended it to be a learning opportunity uh, and that it was, um, I, you know, I think when, when you sort of say that, that, that sort of foundations for the entrepreneurial mindset, it certainly gave me the drive to, to do something more successful. Um, but even, even if one day, you know, I, I, I start a business or I work on something that is very successful, um, whatever that success is sort of, you know, whatever that success is defined as, um, I think really for me, it's the process 
of getting to that point rather than just chasing that point that I think you get the most out of. Yeah. So rather than success, you're sort of chasing fulfillment. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And in that sense, I think it was, yeah, I did enjoy the process. There's a great book by Simon Sinek, The Infinite Mindset, I think it is. Right. Go, go check it out. Yeah, well, um, It's literally about that, how when you're looking for success, you reach the finish line, everyone claps you on and then they leave. Yep. Whereas when you're chasing fulfillment, it's more of a journey and there's you build up sort of your own tribe supporting you continuously. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's like what I've looked at with everything as well. Mm. So you've done that first business and then you've stepped over to a new a second business. At what age was this at this point? Oh, this, so this was about 13 or 14. So, so two businesses by 13. Nice. Yeah. Well, Epic. again, um, I, I use that more of a, not as a frame of reference of success. Again, it's just like, it's, um, it's more for my sort of personal, um, you know, laughing, uh, more, more than anything. But, um, so that, that business at 13, 14, um, was called millennial studios. Um, even less of a business than the first one, cause it didn't even have a revenue model, but, I, I, I sort of started it from a place of, um, being really interested in content actually, which is quite ironic because here we are. On a podcast. Yeah. Um, and I think it's awesome you're doing it, but when I sort of had the same sort of interest, um, a few years ago, um, like I was really getting into, to podcasts and I loved consuming it and I wanted to start creating it too. So I created this little millennial studios platform to do that. I launched a podcast called POV, um, which I think is still kicking around Spotify under my name. Uh, I did it for a year, interviewed some, some cool people, but um, it's, it's all, all these sort of sort of separate things that are all in their own sort of swim lanes. You know, my, one of them's a sort of dis, you know, um, disappointing t-shirt business. And the other one is um, a, a bit of a, a media sort of content sort of platform, but really what they were doing is starting to form some, some soft skills Um because at that point I was sort of, um, I, I came onto my first, what I call my first real business, um, which was a tutoring agency at, at about 15. Tell us more about that. So at 15, you were tutoring, you were tutoring other people. Yep. Were some of them older than you as well? Well, uh, I, I was, I was tutoring people. Most of them were younger. Um, there are a couple that were sort of my year, sort of my peers, but I mean, I was, I was never, um, the top of the class. Um, but I did pretty well in, in primary school and sort of the first years of high school. Um, and you know, I was able to pick up concepts and communicate them to, to, you know, other students. So I I was doing a bit of tutoring in maths and English at like year nine, but I was tutoring like year, year sixes and year sevens. Um, you know, and it, it sort of speaks to if you're just a sort of few steps ahead yeah. of anyone, you got something to add. Yeah, so there's a lot of people who think you have to be the best at something to be able to teach something else, when really no, and you've just proved that as well. Yeah. So I think for me, it was um, it was really a case of how can I start start to sort of scale up because it was an it was an un, untraditional sort of approach of having you know a, a high school student tutor other high school students mm-hmm. um i i called it peer-to-peer yeah um and and you know a friend of mine sean johnson he was doing it too um same same age and we thought well why don't we make this something why don't we turn this into a platform for other students to get and give tutoring um, you know, package it up. Um, and, and we ended up with, um, quite a good little business. Um, student tutors United is what we ended up calling it. Um, but we, you know, Sean and I, we spent about 18 months on different iterations of it, working on it. Um, you know, our mates, we'd get them to sign up and apply and we'd, you know, we'd go through their resume and we'd go through their marks and we'd go through all this sort of thing. Um, and we would decide based on their merit, um, whether we wanted to train them up as a tutor. Yep. So we had our own sort of tutor training course as we called it. Um, so we, we filmed all that based on our sort of experience on tutoring and industry standards. We sort of just created this, this whole sort of package. Um, and we ended up with about 30 clients around Perth. Ooh. We, yeah. We take a, take a commission from each lesson. Very nice. Um, it was about a 30% commission, which was, um, the Uber of, of uh, tutoring. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Creating quite a monopoly. Yeah. 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 Well, um, it got to the point, um, for us, like we were sort of, I was doing quite a lot of the systems and, um, and sort of marketing. Sean was, he was really, really talented at, um, 
you know, managing client relationships, you know, dealing with parents and, um, and students, you know, we, we had to do things like get working with children's checks, oh, yeah. um, for all of and, our employees. And what time, what, what age were you, sorry? So we were like 15. Oh, yeah, yeah. And if you get paid to do work with an under 18 year old. It's very fun. To no matter, to, no uh, matter how, what age you are, you have to get a working with children's checks. It's really so. hard to get a working with children's checks. I found under 18 as well. Yeah. That's really big pain in the arse, to yeah. be honest. Absolutely. So there was, look, there was some bottlenecks, but mostly the bottleneck was we were year nine students and year 10 students. Yeah. So um, it, it was, we got to the point where it would have been something we sort of have to quit our jobs to do okay. um, and we couldn't quit school at the time. Oh, okay. So, so it was almost too big to handle. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and that was your first sort of experience partnering almost with someone. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and how did you sort of – what was your mindset around then? Because obviously there's a lot of people who wouldn't want to give part, away, part of the pie away to create a bigger pie. Right, um, yeah. So what were your thoughts on – well, partner, I guess, with me. I, I, I remember quite distinctly going going to Sean um, because I, I'd sort of got to the point where personally it was taking up a lot of my time. Um, and it, I don't know, Will, Will if, if you've sort of experienced this before, but it's like this type of thing where you take a business to a certain point where there is um, uh, a need for more time put in or need for maybe extra staff put in. There is a need, but what isn't there is that sort of next level where you'd be able to pay for that okay. or, yep. and you're sort of stuck in this little catch 22 where you need the extra staff or the extra time, but you're not you really don't have there the capital yet. Right. To be able to pay for it. And, and generally at that point it's when business owners really hustle and push and just get it to that point and then they can, they can yep. sort of find those things. So we were at that point and we needed to make the decision whether we just keep pushing or, so I went to Sean and I said, look, mate, I think it's, um, it's just one of those things where you're, if you're happy to run with it, um, be my guest, yeah. but I, I can't spend any more time on it. Um, and you know, we've, we, we, we call ourselves Australia's first peer to peer tutoring agency. Um, and other people have sort of done it since. And, um, there's certainly different models in the space now, but, um, we did find a bit of product market fit. We did get a bit of traction. Um, and even in a bit of a, um, I guess you'd call it, bootstrappy sort of messy way. Um, we did build something. Yeah. Um, and um it was it was quite a quite a process in in a really good way for most of it. Um working with a partner, um, especially a good mate. The only thing that was challenging is actually afterwards. Um yeah. when I sort of stepped back, that had become our friendship. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, not not because we um we were so work oriented, but of course if you're running something that is quickly sort of um, snowballing and and you're always sort of on the go with stuff to do, you you sort of can't at that point, unless you're really intentional about it, sort of catch up and not talk about something to yeah. do with the business. Yeah. So for 18 months, that was a friendship. And afterwards um, it was, it was challenging. Yeah. And you t- talking back to the point of that f- part of the business where like it was almost too big to handle, that would normally be where the part where they, quit their job and or maybe go part-time yep. for, for me it was a time where i was out of school yep and had the time to be able to go fully ham you could say exactly yep so you were still in school what, what were your parents sort of thinking at this point you're spending a lot of your time working on businesses mm-hmm. um almost how is your work like work school life balance at yeah. 15 yeah so it was it's, it's interesting i've um you know I, I sometimes do do some speaking in schools um like yourself and quite often um, I would talk about the, the idea of counterbalance. Um, it's, it's a bit of a concept that, um, you know, I think still rings quite true to me sometimes. It's, it's the idea that, you know, we, we hear the term work-life balance all the time. But I think for me at that point it was really a counterbalance. Some weeks would be heavy, heavy Student Tutors United. Other weeks would be a little bit more social depending on the workload. Other weeks there'd be some school stuff that I would just have to do. Um, it was really a nice sort of, um, you know, one third, two third, three third split evening every day. It was, um, as I said, a bit messy and a little bit all over the place. But um, I think that was really one of the main reasons I stepped down is because it was becoming harder and harder to maintain that. So, you know, I think your mum and dad have always been super supportive, um, but they could see as well that it was really starting to take a, 
take a strain because um, really the constraints were school, yeah. you know, so there was there was those constraints there and they couldn't be pushed. Yeah. Um, so something else had to budge. And it takes a lot of humility to be able to say no to something as well. Yeah. Um, to be able to say it's yes. It's a hard thing to do. Yes to something else or almost your education. Yeah. So was it tough for you to be able to say no or did you feel like you were making the right choice or you were a bit? I was in two minds about it because I, um, you know, I've, I've, I've had um, the opportunity to have relationships built with some, some really good mentors, um, which, which has been a really pivotal part of the, the, the process, um, which we might chat about, but, um, I, I would speak to them about this particular challenge. Um, and I think they said, you know, you're, you're, you're 15, you're 16. If this doesn't work out now, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah. You had a lot of responsibility for a 15 year old. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I loved it, you know, but it was, it was sort of getting to the point where a decision had to be made. Um, and I think that was the right one at the time. Yeah. So now you've said no to that and you've got all the skills from the past three businesses. Yeah. And I believe this is when you sort of stepped into the current business you have today. Correct. Curiosity digital. Yep. And so this sort of all the foundations were built from the past three businesses and now you've built curiosity digital, which is what is curiosity digital, Mr. Curiosity? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's something that you probably hear me speak about a lot is this sort of concept of curiosity. It's how um, all these businesses, projects, whatever you want to call them came into fruition and certainly how, you know, the skills that I have today and are continually developing upon um, where they came from is, is just that real sort of keen curiosity. Um, but I think for me, Curiosity Digital was the um, the start and the end in a, in a way because it was it was the start of this next chapter, but also the end of um, several years of skill building and, and learning. Um, where it was okay, now I want to start to package this up and help other businesses. Um, I, I saw it as much more manageable than something like Student Tutors United at the time, um, and really. I was doing at the start freelance work. So I did a couple of years of building websites and systems for people. Um, and then in the past sort of six months or so, I, I've pretty much transitioned that to purely consulting. So that's sort of sitting down at a strategic level with businesses thinking about their processes and their sort of go to market. Um, and, and again, using, using the sort of skill sets that I've built to uh, advise them on how I would set up those systems and how I would set up those, those sort of marketing assets. Um, would you say the sort of at this point, the consulting work is when you really start to understand your value of time? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I, I remember I did my first website um, for a client. So not for my own stuff or just mucking around. I did a $800 website for my local church. It took me about 35 hours was this, if you're listening along, do the math of that. Yeah, it's, that. it's, um, it, it's not minimum wage, but it's not that much better. Um, yeah. and, and I think, I think really at that point I was like, wow, okay. I need to, I need to really think about it, exactly how I'm packaging this up. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's actually something that, again, that curiosity is really interesting for me is the offer. I've, I've spent a lot of time sitting and thinking about, well, what is my value yeah. as, as, as a freelancer, as a, as a consultant, putting aside what is a value in my own business or as an employee in a business, if you're promoting yourself with a personal brand and, and, you know, giving yourself um, as a consultant to businesses, um, how do you communicate your value? What is that value? Yeah. Um, I think for me, I, I really sort of have focused in on um, what I call um, product and growth which is pretty much, you know, what your product looks like in the digital sense and how that is then grown digitally. That's, that's where I'm sort of honing in on. Um, but it's still one of those things that I, I, I play with. It's like, you know, you have a broad range of skill sets. Um, you, you, some may call you a generalist, um, but you do still have some hard skills. Um, and I think quite often that's harder to communicate to people than someone who's just a developer. Yep. or someone who's just a graphic designer. Um, so I think that was definitely when I sort of started to think about value for money um, for me and also for the client. Mm. You've been very good at communicating value and a lot of sort of ideas for a very long time, which I'm going to touch back to when you were 14. Yeah. And you did a TED talk. Yeah. At 14. Yeah. 
So tell us how, how, what, what 14 year old thinks I'm going to do, do a TED talk. What is going on in your mind to apply? And what, I don't even think I listened to a TED talk at 14. Well, it's, it's, um, it's something that is it, like, I still find it quite surreal to this day. Um, it was at the time when I'd sort of, you know, I'd been working on, um, the tech thread co and I, I sort of, I don't know, I'd spent, I'd spent six or 12 months after that really reflecting on what went wrong and what went right and, and what I learned from it and where I'm sort of taking it. Um, and I think ultimately, um, I spent a lot of time thinking about how that was actually one big setback. It was one big failure with so many opportunities in it, which is that sort of entrepreneurial mindset, whatever you want to call it, growth mindset. Um, there's a lot of buzz around that sort of concept. Um, but really for me, it was like, well, that didn't work. So I'm going to find something else that works that, um, manufacturer doesn't want to talk to a 12 year old, probably fair enough, but I'll go and find one that does. Um, and I think that was definitely, um, that mindset that I was becoming more aware that I was developing, um, and actually starting to use in my, my school and, 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 and sort of personal life as well. Um, and that's, that's what I sort of approached TEDx Perth with. Um, I, you know, I think at that point I was, I was, look, I was aware of the fact that I was unique and that a lot of people in my age weren't doing these sort of things. Um, but I was also equally excited to, to go and find the people that were. Yeah. Looking um, for the like-minded sort yeah, of humans. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, something like TED as an organization, um, you know, local TEDx events, they definitely attract those sort of people yeah. that have these mindsets. Um, and I, I, you know, I was at that point, you know, getting into the content of things, doing the podcasts, thinking about personal brand. Um, it was definitely things that, you know, it was on my mind. Um, and I think the Ted talk for me was, was going to be a really good opportunity to, you know, develop some public speaking know-how, um, to, to because think, they coach you, don't they? Yeah. For about, you know, four or five months, wow. um, which is very generous. Um, and, and, and that was a whole process of refining ideas. Basically yeah. you go in with this sort of loose concept and maybe some anecdotes and you come out at the end with an 11 minute talk yeah, well. um, that is reasonably refined. Um, and that as a process in itself, putting the public speaking aside, what you're actually saying, um, it was, it was, it, it gave me, um, it, it, it helped me to put more of an emphasis on that. Um, and I think that was probably what I got most out of that, that process. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And you continuously talk about the content, content, content being something you're very passionate about. Yet you don't have social media. Yeah. It's an interesting one. It is interesting. So I want to know how you went from focusing on personal brand, building yourself up that way. Obviously you still have a LinkedIn yep. and then every other social media, no, you, you cut off. You went, yep. I don't know what the term is, but you just cut off one night overnight. You went no more. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it, it was something that, um, you know, it, it's been a series of decisions, but it did feel a bit overnight. Um, you know, I started a podcast in 2018, that POV. Um, I did another one in 2019, in 2020. Um, and I think at that point I was going all in. Yeah. I was on Twitter. I was on Instagram. Um, you know, I, I, I was aware of the fact that, you know, people were interested in what I was doing. Um, and also the social media is a great way to find interesting people as well um, as part of that journey for me to go and see what everyone else was up to. Um, I think it's how we connected in reality. Yeah, actually more than likely. Yeah. yeah. So, look, I've, I've got a lot of lot out of social media. Um, but there became a time, there was, there was a bit of a – a turning point or I guess a point that I had crossed where the value was um, less than, you know, the cost. Okay. And, and really the cost for me was um, loss of time because um, I'm, I'm not very good at self-control. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, I was just, I would spend time on it. Yeah. Um, for people that can do the whole self-control thing and spend 20 minutes a day on it, right, yeah. you probably don't have an issue with it, but. I was finding myself being not obsessed, certainly not obsessed, but I would spend a decent amount of time on it. That was a cost. The other cost, you know, was um, just all the stuff that you get caught up in when you're on social media. Um, 
you know, even, even Snapchat as a platform that young people use, like, like a lot of my peers, um, were using that as pretty much their sole communication device for friends. And, um, and I, it, it sort of speaks to maybe a deeper sort of communication preference for me. Like I, I much prefer sitting down and hanging a yeah, chat, yeah. um, than, than sort of speaking online with people. So there it was, there was a combination of things, but ultimately I decided that, um, you know, the benefits, um, really were, uh, becoming less yeah. and the costs were becoming more. So yeah, I made the decision to just jump off at all. I love LinkedIn cause I don't, I, I hate the interface, so I don't like going on it. Um, <laughs> like, like I just, I don't like going on it at all. Doesn't look good. No, it doesn't look good. It's, it's, it's got a poor user interface in my opinion, but never thought that, but I like it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like that. I would never scroll through sort of LinkedIn for hours on end. No, um, it's not addictive. No, yeah. no, it's, it's for a different purpose. Um, you, I, I feel much more intentional when I go on LinkedIn. Yeah. 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 I feel like I'm going on to add value for someone or learn something new or make a connection. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm going on cause I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And, and you've been on LinkedIn for many years. Yeah. Since for a very young age, I actually joined LinkedIn because mum wouldn't let me have Facebook. <laughs> Um, so I was That's like, I'll great. get LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. for other people who A, might not be on LinkedIn, B, may not be active on LinkedIn because yeah. a lot of people have LinkedIn, they're just not active. Yep. What would you sort of recommend them to take the first step? Um, well, I think, you know, it's very hard to, to do anything without a decent establishing of what the purpose is. Mm. Um, like if you're getting on LinkedIn because Will and Kai told you to, but you sort of just do it and then – don't go on it. Like of course that, that, that makes total sense because there's no in, in, intrinsic motivation for you to do anything more than just set up an account. Um, I think probably what I would do is think about, well, what can I do or achieve on LinkedIn that maybe I didn't think I could, um, you know, you can, for example, if, if you're, if you're wanting to explore some curiosities and learn more about what you want to do when you're older, if you don't have a super clear idea of that, it's a great place to have conversations with people that have some connection to you. Maybe they went, used to go to your school. Maybe they're also in the industry that you might be interested in being able to connect with those people and have conversations, maybe find some mentors, you know, see, see some stuff from actual work in that industry. That's the value of it for students. That's the value of it for young people. You see a lot of students sort of reach out to different companies and almost ask for mm. internships yep. um, and connect with like executives. They go Because sh- LinkedIn sort of takes away the admin person from a company. Yeah. You can literally go straight to the top. There's no org structure on LinkedIn. No. Everyone so is flat. You can you can message the CEO of the company that you want to work for and ask for a job and th- what is it? Give it a punch. I don't know. Well, give it, give, give it, you know, give Throw it a your shot. Head in. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing is, you know, being on LinkedIn is, um, is I guess what you'd call, um, you know, putting, putting all, all the things you can do doing them. You know, if, if, if you're that passionate about it, um, and you're on LinkedIn, you, you're pretty much putting yourself in a pretty good position. Um, and if nothing, you know, if nothing else, it's building that presence for down the track. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely worth checking out. I think for me, like the biggest use has been I've built a network of school principals, school executives, yeah, all of those who are pretty much my target market and also a number of sort of influences within the entrepreneurship space, mm-hmm. which A, is where I'm going to get a lot of the guests for this podcast mm. from. B, when I wanted a job a few months ago, I put it on LinkedIn and had a number of offers. Didn't take any of them because... I'm a bad employee. <laughs> don't want to work for anyone. Um, haven't found a job that's exciting enough yet. Yeah. I should say. Or ticked all the boxes. Yeah. So I'm just, it provides a platform for you to be able to reach out and find different opportunities. And if you, if you know, if you graduate from uni at 20 or 21 and then go and get LinkedIn, you've basically got, you know, uh, 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 there's no equity in, in that account. Yeah. There's, there's no value in that account. Um, until you start doing stuff with it. And that, what I mean by that is connections, um, content, comments, engagements, you know, um, being helpful, adding value. 
um, if you if you don't do those things until that point when you actually need it, it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be less helpful than if you start it now like we have. I think the most important thing with LinkedIn as well is meaningful connections. Yeah, don't just go and add a bunch of random people Defeats for no purpose. reason. Yeah, uh, think about your target market, why you want to reach out to them, what you and don't just cold sell as well. There's so many people messaging me. Don't use LinkedIn like Tinder, like me and Kai discovered the other day. Yeah, no, just there's there's so many don'ts but really the do's can be kept pretty simple if you if you think about it from a point of purpose um and you think about it from a point of adding and then being able to receive value um it's what the platform's for Mm. and um you know you'll find your way absolutely we're gonna go back to your life story now that was really nice yeah yeah. (laughs) um jumping back to so you've self-curiosity digital yep you have linkedin you have a whole bunch of skills and you're in year 11. Yes. And you apply to go to uni at, at the end of year 11. So this is this is 2020. So, you know, this, you know. The greatest year of the world. Yeah, well, exactly. This was last year, at least when we recorded this. So 2020 was last year. Um, and I was, um, I'll, t- I'll take you one step even further behind. So 2019, um, I, was, I was in year 10 and I decided I wanted to move schools. So I said to I said to my parents, uh, I want to move to a school, an art school, in the other on the other side of Perth, um, and join their media program. Again, that sort of interesting content and everything like that. Mainly, I just wanted to get out of the the sort of norm that I'd sort of been doing for the past four four years. Um, so anyway, so I move I move schools for year eleven. Um, that was a good decision. Um, it meant that I I was in a much better position to reevaluate the value of school. Yeah. Because, you know, the value of school um, at Mazenod, which is where I was at from year seven to year 10, um, if I'd stay there till year 11, um, I would have been there with all my mates. Very comfortable. Yeah, very comfortable. I would have probably just said, you know what, I've been here for five years. I'll just do the six Mm -hmm. and I'll graduate. But moving schools, it gave me a bit of a, uh, a clean slate no. to be able to to really reconsider um, what I was getting out of it and what I could put into it. So yeah, so I decided. Well, how can I best use two thousand and twenty one? That was that was the question I was asking myself. And this just just put this in context. Your Mazenod was how many minutes from home? Five. And how many minutes from home was this new school? Two hours. Two hours. So you were driving two hours, two and two hours from yep. each day because you wanted to be uncomfortable and sort of test your limits almost. Yep. And 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 sort of jump into that that deep end um, and, and really sort of flex the muscles a bit. Very nice. Yeah. So I did that for year for year eleven. Um I, I really enjoyed it. I um I really liked um the new school and um and that process. The, the train yeah. gave me a lot of thinking time. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but even still, and it wasn't necessarily the school, it was just the the system. And I was, I, 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 this is really what I came to in year 11. It was like, well, how can I, you know, because I was doing all these things outside of education, um, you know, how can I use, use my 2021 best? Um, which I think more people should think like that. Yeah. Because it's, it's no one else's year but your own. Like you're, that, well, the, the, the life that you're going to live in that year is like yours to define. Yeah. And you only get one year. Absolutely. Person. Yep. Um, and I'm like, you know, that, that could be a, a fraction of my life that year. You well, know? it is. Yeah. Like, like it could be like an 80th of my whole life. Getting philosophical, now. yeah, I know, but you know, if but you think, it's so true. If Absolutely. you think about it like that, it's like, well, why throw it away just doing the status quo yep. if that's not serving you? Yeah, and you said before how much you value your own time. Yeah, imagine not valuing that year and using it to the best of. Sort of I, I wouldn't be staying true to myself. Mm. Very much. You're very passionate about ROI as well. Yeah, the return on investment of 2021. So yeah. far, has it been worth it? Well, I think so. Yeah, I, I've been really enjoying it because it's the end of year 11. I sort of. I, I decide, you know, I want to, I want to get into uni. Um, I, if you'd asked me the year before whether I was going to go to uni, I probably would have said no, but it was looking better than high school. So, okay. so I, I found, um, I found some cool people to, to sort of, um, 
that tribe that you were sort of speaking of before that, that could sort of support me in that process of getting into uni um, to organize some meetings and do some introductions. Um, and I managed to get into um, a uni here in Perth for a business degree based on portfolio entry without a graduating certificate. So the four businesses prior allowed all the, all the consulting, all the, you know, all of the, all of the skill building relationships, everything you had put that forward to the uni at the end of year 11, they accepted you and you effectively dropped out of high school to be yep. able to begin uni. Yep. And how did that go for you? Um, I, I really, um, I, I really liked it. I, 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 I sort of, I, I did sort of reference it as dropping out, but I think, I think more of it is jumping up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the, the way I see it is, um, it was definitely a level up for me. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, I started uni, um, and when I say I love it, I loved leaving high school, mm. but coming into uni, um, you know, it's, it's tertiary education. It's same, same different. Um, it, 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 it looks and feels slightly different, but it's the same, it's the same concept of, um, of quite a lot of theoretical based learning. Um, and especially in a place like business or, or, or tech in, in a very fast paced world, mm-hmm. um, I found it, um, to be honest with you, I found it underwhelming. Okay. Yeah. Um, someone who's had so much business experience. Well, were you going into a pool of people that hey, were older than you and had less experience? I was, I was going into, I was going into classes with people, um, that, you know, probably, probably had less on, on the ground experience, um, in, in business. Um, not to say that that should mean anything, but you know, I felt like even, even the lecturers and tutors for me, um, weren't hitting, hitting the mark. You weren't being challenged. No, I did. I did it for a month. Like I could have, I could have stuck it out. And here's the thing, Will, there's, there's stuff in there in that three year degree that I would have absolutely got value from. Mm-hmm. This is not me pretending that I know everything. Cause I absolutely yeah. don't. Yeah. I have so much more to learn, but again, it's like, well, I was paying money for this. Yes. Right? Like ultimately, oh, right. ultimately it's return on investment and I can pay a thousand dollars and be taught by one of the best practitioners practicing people in the world on marketing or business or finance for less than a uni degree yeah. from a, from a, a sort of school in Perth. So for you, the content was almost fluffy. It was, it was very fluffy. Um, and, and that maybe 10 or 20% that was going to be valuable. Um, it's, you know, it's 30 grand is a lot to pay for, oh, yeah. for that, that yeah. sort of education. So for me, I was like, well, you know, this is, this has been a great opportunity to get me out of high school. Um, and, and, you know, I was very grateful for the work that other people had put in to get me into that position. Yeah. Um, but I had to look at it again as, and as, as an evaluation of my investment choice. Is this how you want to spend your 2021? And exactly. beyond 2024. Yeah. Cause I'm spending my year, but I'm also spending money. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I think that's also, there's, there's such a detachment for so many students of being at uni and, and then paying for it in their careers years later. Yeah. I, I do. I do find that a lot. Yeah. With even friends and peers and one not actually understanding the value of every single yep. unit. Yep. I think it like it works out is like a, a lecture is like two hundred dollars. Yep. When you when you break it down, I'm and, like, wow. And it's like you know that's that's what. Look, I don't think kids should be forced to pay for that as they go because that no. obviously wouldn't work. <laughs> but you know what I'm what I'm sort of saying is if you don't rock up to your lectures and you're not doing the assignments, it's like that's fine, but you're paying for it. Exactly, and like even with my I'm doing my masters at yeah. the moment, and you'd you be seeing this because you're paying for it. I see I see the money come out. Yeah, um, but I also know that still 50% of like most assignments are not done, mm-hmm. uh, and these are like high level executives who, for the most part, a lot of their companies may be paying for the degree. Yep. But two thousand seven hundred dollars every unit. Yep. You only only two assignments per unit. Fail one, you miss the unit. It's another two thousand seven hundred dollars. And it's. I'm like, no, thank you very much. No, and and you know what? You that's why you've been so successful in it because you've had that mindset. I very much value the two thousand seven hundred dollars. Yeah. Kind of very like knows I value money very much. Yeah. Um, every dollar sort yep. of puts it together. And it's you know it's a type of thing. It's students students uh think the exact same way, but. You know, they, they care about the, the meals they're buying, the shoes they're buying, the clothes they're buying. They think about cost. Mm. That's not the problem. Yep. The problem is it's so dis- disassociated with universities 
Um, and the whole concept of going to uni for a year and working out if you like a degree is so wrong in my opinion um, because it, it, there's so many better ways to explore curiosities, work out if you like things. You Let's know. provide some how what, – what would you recommend, Kai? Well, uh, starting something. Yeah. You know, like this is the perfect age and the perfect time of, of the, the world's existence to start things, businesses, TikTok channels, whatever it is, starting something at this point in time allows you to, to get out there and, 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 and learn and actually work it out. I think that's a very important thing to sort of touch back on is like each time I've started, when I started playing PD, when I started Youth Leadership Academy, and if you are still a teenager, still in school, you have very little risk. You yep. have no f- bills to pay, well, limited bills to pay. Yep. You have food in your stomach, I hope, yep. and a roof over your head. You don't have to worry about the bills. And that was what I was very privileged to as I was growing up. Like I had all of them, things that I didn't have to worry about. So all I had to f- worry about was turning Plain Pity and Youth Leadership Academy Australia into successful operations. Yep. And that's almost what made me so comfortable because I had that. And that's why in July last year, I moved out of home to become uncomfortable, to become financially independent for myself. And it really relied on me because I knew that if the business didn't necessarily work out, I'll just... There's a safety net. Yeah. There's a safety net. Which you've just moved out of home right now. So tell us a bit about that guy. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, um, we're in the house at the moment. Yeah. It's quite nice actually. It's, um, it's, it's a nice place. I'm sharing it with a mate. Um, he's, he's a few years older than me. Um, and he does some cool stuff, but, um, the reason I moved out is exactly the same. Um, because there was that sort of safety net for me. Um, and I, I wanted, I wanted some constraints. I wanted some barriers and, and some, some sort of pushing forces um, like rent <laughs> um, and, and groceries and, and all these sort of things that, um, you know, if you don't keep pushing, you don't um, keep succeeding, um, you run into issues. Mm-hmm. So the same thing as you, those, those constraints um, put you in the comfort zone, it take you out of the comfort zone. Um, and, and I found that really helpful. Um, but I think, yeah, like ultimately, um, it was, it was a decision this year, um, to go into uni and I probably would have stuck at it. Um, but I got a couple of job offers. Yeah. So, so right now you're living in Subia here, you're financially independent. Everything that's going on in your life is your responsibility. Yep. Um, how does that sort of feel to know that you've been able to do that at a young age? Um, I, I think it's, you know, it's one of those things I'm, I'm pretty proud of myself um, for being able to work towards this. Cause the thing is, you know, like being able to pay my rent this week is not a result of working last week. It's a result of four or five years mm-hmm. of hard work and relationship building and, and learning and reading and, um, going to events and, you know, making sacrifices just like yourself. It's, you know, the financial independence today comes from years of, of commitment and sacrifice. And that's what I'm proud of. But, at the same time, you know, I have to acknowledge that there's, there's been a lot of people, um, that have, that have helped me and there's been a lot of, um, doors open at the right time. Um, and, and a lot of things go right. Um, that, that some people don't have the, the liberty of, of, of getting. So I think there's, there's opportunities, um, in everyone's lives. They're very different depending on who you are and where you're at. Um, but I'd like to think that I grasped the ones that I had um, and did something with them. Yeah. Epic. And like going back to, you said that the mentors have helped you get here yeah. to the financial independence part through the TED talk, mm-hmm. through every business, through getting mm-hmm. you into uni. Yep. So what was the process into sort of a, who are, who inspires you slash supports you? Yep. Um, and B, who, why do them people slash, why do you surround yourself with these people? So I, I think probably the people that support me most are my parents um, just because up until this point I've seen them more than anyone. Yeah. Um, you know, you come home from school and I, my excitement of the day starts, you know, cause I start, start work on the other things. Um, that was, that was what it was like. And my parents would always be there. We chat at dinner. We, they drive me around, they'd take me to events, you know, they'd do all do that sort of thing. And I think ultimately 
um, they've they've sort of provided provided that space, um, and and that that's that's been incredibly helpful. Um, but you know, I've I've had mentors that have um, that have held space for me as well, and answered you know answered some very simple questions, like at a very basic level. Like I've asked some some business stuff, and they've been able to point me in the right direction. But a lot of mentors, really, that sort of space holding, it's like well, um, going to them. And just being able to to think about the future and not just the present, um, that's what I found most helpful with mentors. And how important do you think is the space, not only to have a space for mentors, but a space for yourself? So like you said, the two hours to and from school was very helpful for you. What did you do in that two and a half hours in your sort of daily routine almost? Mm. And have you carried that through and would you... What's it done for you? I'm I'm very like process driven in the work I do. Like like a lot of the work that I do professionally is about processes, but I, I'm quite process driven in my personal life as well. Um, you know whether it's you know I've, I've I've got things set up so every every transaction I make on my my card um, I have to review at the end of the day. Um, wow! And actually actually think about where my money's going because it's so easy to just tap and tap and go these days. I know. Um, cause it's not cash. Like you are pulling cash out of your wallet. It's uh, Oh, that's an expensive, um, avo smash, but it's just tapping it on the phone. It's like, it's, it's so that's, that's one very specific example. But like almost, Oh, that's the reason why casinos use chips because it's a lot easier to give away a thousand dollars. It's right? a lot easier to give a thousand dollar chip away than yep. a thousand dollars in cash. cash. Yeah. Yep. Which is the exact same thing that happens with uni, oh, wow. you know, but, but for me, it's like, well, you know, if, if I, if I, I spend a lot of time thinking about like my personal systems, um, you know, like I've, I've got a notebook, for example, um, like, like you do that, um, I use for my daily sort of writing and note taking, but then I have a notion page, um, where I can actually go and track exactly what is on each page. Mm. So when I write something, I add it in there as well, Wow! wow. because then I can search. I can yeah, search yeah, yeah. in my notebook and I can, yeah. you know, I can, I can go. Even on. like journaling? Yeah. So I don't, I don't write the content out. I just put like the title and the date, but I, it's basically indexing my notebook. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's examples of those things that um, are just little, little sort of additions to my personal processes um, that are a big, big focus for me. Because I think if, if you can have, you know, your personal systems and processes right, it enables everything to flow. Um, so in that two hours on the way to school, I'd be reading, um, I'd be listening to podcasts. I would be, um, you know, writing. Um, I love, I love writing, um, not, 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 not creative stuff. Most of the time it's, um, you know, about, um, you know, a nonfiction book or it'll be about a new piece of tech or, or my thoughts or analysis on something. So if, if you're interested in that, it's at kylevel.com. I, I write every so often, but, We'll I was, drop it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I, I do that sort of thing, um, you know, and I would do it on the train. I just spend some time thinking about the world um, and, and doing some actions on it. Um, but, you know, part of the reason I moved out is because also you get that space. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, lo- I don't know about you. I love going to cafes for myself sometimes. Oh, yeah. I think like for me, one of my highest values is independence. Yeah. I thrive when I'm alone yep. and everything's up to me. Yep. Yep. Um. And with that sort of space, now that you've moved out of home, you've, you're working two jobs. You have a bit of contract consulting work yep. at, at the same time. Yep. What does a typical day in Kaya Level's world look like? Yeah. I actually asked him this prior to jumping on. He was like, maybe you should just ask me on the microphone. I was like, <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's, um, the, the first answer is that everyday changes. Um, because, that was the point. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's part of the answer, right? Cause it's, it's an evolving situation. Um, where I do a few different things, but just like yourself, like you've got a very, very sort of changing schedule. Um, but for me, if I pick pick an average Tuesday, for example, um, I get up at about six. Um, if, if I feel like it, I'll fit the gym in. Um, but if I've had a, a late night, um, it's more valuable to me to, to have a better sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, I will then get up, I'll do a, sh- a protein shake or I'll do a, do a bowl of muesli. Um, I'll have a shower. I'm a morning shower person. Um, Twice a day. Yeah. Well, well, some, so it depends, depends. 
Um, I've got to pay for water now. So, oh, do you? well, you, you start you start to think about this. Well, water's included, but yeah, <laughs> maybe I should uh, <laughs> have a chat. Um, but yeah, it's a type of thing where um, you know, now now I'm here, those processes have started to change. Okay. Um, you know, I might put the washing away. Um, or you know, go do a, do a load of um clothes washing, put that out. Um, maybe do a bit of work, but now it's ten or fifteen minutes to get to work. Oh wow! Yes. Okay. Right. So I, I used to live in the hills. Obviously, where Maznob was, I would commute to Frio um, for school. But now it's literally ten or fifteen minutes on the train or driving. Um, work from nine to five or six. Um, sometimes I go in an hour early or stay an hour late and do some other stuff. The sort of other consulting or contract work I'm doing at the same time. Um, three days a week, I work um, at a, a, a tech startup out of a co-working space in the CBD. Two days a week, I work at uh, a marketing agency for startups in North Perth. Um, and that's sort of how I split my week up. But at the moment, it's um, it, it's it's really, I love it. I come home after after work, I'll um, help, help my roommate out with dinner. We'll do something, eat some leftovers, whatever. I'll usually work till about 10 or 11, um, get back into bed and do it again. Wow. So this is kind of a nice little wrap up to the episode as well. I'm going to leave it there with one more question of what has been the one thing that has allowed you to sort of be here at 17, having the four businesses, you have two pretty solid, I'd say jobs, like almost developing your professional experience. I know you mentioned to me a few days ago, you've dipped your foot in a lot of different waters. Yep. What would be the one thing that you could almost give as advice to someone else to be able to have a lot more clearer sort of vision, I guess you could say? Yep. Um, it's a good question. I think it's a, it's a, it's a good way to wrap up. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what your answer to this is down the track as well. But I think for me, there's one thing that above all else I'm super bullish on. Um, and if I was to write a book one day, I'd write, I'd write it on this. Um, it, the, the concept of curiosity the thing is everyone is curious. It's, it's a part of how the brain is wired. Everyone, you know, thinks about something for a second, split second longer when they're reading a book because it just interested them. That's curiosity, mm-hmm. you know, um, having this conversation and while you're talking, I start to think about something that's yeah. curiosity, you know, walking outside and, um, and, and, and there's a door open, um, for no particular reason with a brick on it. And you're like, why is that door open? Why is that a door open? That's curiosity, right? Literally all the way back home, uh, you'll you'll be getting curious about this or that. The thing is, for me, it's about road testing those curiosities. Um, so if you, if you come across something, you know that that is of interest to you, maybe a future passion or a future skill, maybe or a future value for yourself. Um, so many young people sort of experience those curiosities and don't do anything about them. And they wait to university or they wait to five years into their career to go, shit, I don't want to do what my parents have always told me that I should do. Or I don't want to do the default that my friends uh, are all doing because that's just the easy choice. Yeah. Um, I think the better approach is to be more active than passive at this age so that you can be more fulfilled and more successful at that age. Yeah. Um, and I think really for the net, for the moment, for today and tomorrow and the next day, it's about looking at those curiosities we all have and just doing something about it mm-hmm. yeah. and, and actually going and starting something, having a conversation, reaching out to someone on LinkedIn, going and meeting someone for coffee, setting these balls in motion because one day they'll – they'll sort of, they'll take you somewhere. And I think that's really how I've got here today is just by having an open mind and, um, and running with it. And staying curious. Absolutely. Well, Kyle, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. No worries. Um, Always love chatting. Yeah. That was Kyle Lovell. You can find more about him and his work at kylelovell.com. K-A-I-L-O-V-E-L.com. See you next week. Thank you, friends, for tuning into this episode. We'll be back next week with a new guest bringing a different mind and a different perspective. As always, you can watch or read exclusive pieces from this episode on willmasara.com. That's Will with one L. Peace out and have a great week.